2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. This, this is the first step in, in getting saved. When you, when you get past the thought of anything, salvation having anything to do with you, how many understand it's not even .001% of, of your effort, your works, anything, your past, present, or future? Uh, we understand the problem is when it comes to salvation, that's, that's the moment you got born again. When you understood, okay, it's, it's not me, partially me, it's God and all of God. Uh, why is it that we understand that when it comes to salvation, we just don't understand that when it comes to the spiritual works after salvation? Go with me to Colossians for just a moment. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 16, the Bible says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth. Now we could make a list tonight, but we'd be here for a long time. All the things that he created. Just let your imagination run wild. He, he did all that with his spoken word. And uh, all that is in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's a mouthful. But here's what we understand by reading that. God is all-sufficient. Totally self-sufficient. We're the exact opposite. Totally dependent upon him. Totally in need of him. The Father, what's the Bible say? Hath life in himself. Nothing else. Nothing else has life. In itself, he's lacking nothing. He's the very source of life. All of heaven and earth is sustained by him. Now, these are foundational principles when it comes to the Christian faith. And I think we understand it, but we just, we we don't grasp it. It's too simplistic. It almost sounds cliche. So God is the ruler of all. God is the creator of all. God is the sustainer of all. And yet we act like we add something to the equation as salvation, God and us. Is there anything we add to the equation at all? Okay, he's a creator. He's a sustainer. All things were made by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And then here comes part of his creation to say, God. And God's supposed to say, oh, now, now we can get things rolling. Look, look who just joined my team, the spiritual touchdown machine. Uh, did you know that God's greatness is infinite and he was great before the earth was created. He'll be great after the earth is recreated and uh, we add nothing to his greatness. You know, there, there are things that uh, Brother Saeed has is, is, helped us with suits that have helped add something to, to very little that we have, you know, very little, but a, a little. There's something, maybe a car adds to your status in society. Maybe the neighborhood you moved to added something to your life. The person you married, you know, whatever it is. 
but whatever is added to God is absolutely nothing when it comes to adding to his greatness. Now, we have to say that to get to the message because when it says our sufficiency is of God, God is all-sufficient, self-sufficient. We are the exact opposite, uh, which means we're in desperate need of him. Church, this is one of those principles that would radically change our church if we just individually got it to such an extent our kids, our teenagers, our leadership, our soul winners, if we'd understand this point, what we could do for God, to understand that we are totally dependent upon Him. And I don't care how any, any preacher tries to, to explain it or any examples that are used. I, I don't know how many times we've all heard we're zero, and until you put a one in front of that zero, you're adding nothing to the equation. That's great. It sounds great. But at the end of the day, we don't consider ourselves to be zeros. Maybe at moments. Especially not in the Baptist world. I've been in the Baptist world for a long time. I've met very few preachers that actually consider themselves to be zeros. <laughs> They're out there. I just have not been introduced. I had the privilege of being introduced to them. Uh, that shouldn't disturb you unless you're a preacher. And there's... <laughs> we, we just in life have some level of high self-evaluation where we truly think God today really needs me. And, and God says, I, I was great before you, and I'll be great after you. Uh, we understand he, uh, he does allow us to be used in his service. Now, here's Paul says all of that. Then look what he says in verse 25. We're not going to take the, the time to read all the verses, but it's important because in making this point in the context, he's revealing not only God's greatness, but our need uh, for God, verse 26, or let's read verse 25. Where if I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to do what? How are we going to fulfill the word of God, which is a spiritual endeavor unless it's God working through us? Verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Think about that endeavor without God. Okay, you're going to explain God. You're going to explain Jesus, God in the flesh. Heaven, hell, salvation by grace. You're going to bring a man under conviction. Turn him from his sin to God, to righteousness. Look what Paul said in verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, what's it say? Striving according to his work. Now it's time to highlight. Which worketh, what, what's Paul say? In me, how? Mightily. So without God, we know the verse, John 15, 4. Without me, he can what? Do nothing. A great visual illustration. The branch Disconnected, 
And so go out to your tree at night, and for a visual illustration this week, go and cut off that branch and lay it on the porch. And tell me the use of that branch from this point forward. Disconnected means it ceased to be of any value at all. A snowvid gave us a great illustration of all those apparatuses that we have in the house, those devices, all the electronics that we have purchased over the course of our life, from phones to computers to toasters, refrigerators, they were all rendered useless in a moment. And suddenly you're out in your car just trying to to recharge your phone so you have a little bit of use. But nothing else in the house is of any value at all. Because all of that without electricity is rendered absolute. You can take that vacuum and you can roll it over that carpet a hundred times. And guess what you've accomplished? A workout, nothing else. And you can store as much food in, in that refrigerator as you want, but within three days, it's going to reek. And, and here's the Christian. Our sufficiency is of God. And we say it, and we know it, and we preach it. And then in practicality, we don't live it. Our sufficiency today, let's take a quick trek through the Bible. All scriptures that we know, but a Bible study tends to do us good. Genesis 18. Today is a day of review. Pastor, I could quote these scriptures. You could, but I prefer you look them up tonight. Genesis 18, look what it says in verse 10. Now, Sarah, bless her heart, is in her 80s. The angel of the Lord has arrived, and he said, verse 10, I'll certainly return to thee according to the time of thy life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were... They were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Wherefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said, Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Now, you say, I can't believe she laughed. I can. And anybody here in the outdoor over the age of 80? You know why? Not many make it. <laughs> At 80, you're not talking about babies. At 80, you're not talking about grandbabies. At 80, you're talking about great grandbabies. You're not talking about giving birth. You're talking about passing on to the next life. You're not buying baby clothes even for your grandbabies. You're trying to get out of bed into the bathroom. You know what happens when someone talks to you about having a baby and you've waxed old? You're well stricken by the club that we call age. You know what? You know what you do when someone mentions you having a baby? You laugh. If you have the strength to laugh, if you've taken your medication, 
Say, Pastor, you're making fun of the elderly. No, I'm saying at that point of life, we don't put scripture in its context. And the Lord said to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have surety bear a child which, which am old? Is, verse 14, anything too hard for the Lord? Why did she laugh? She for a moment had a brain freeze. She forgot her sufficiency was found in God. And God has no problem with age. None at all. And she had a baby. And, and she survived it. And the baby survived it. And the nation of Israel exists because God said, Sarah, this has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with me. Our sufficiency is of God. Now, we too are supposed to give spiritual birth. Now, we're not, we're not going to go that way tonight. But, uh, Pastor, how, how could I ever have a, a spiritual child? How, how could I ever have a son in the faith? How could I ever lead someone to Christ? That's because our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Oh, you couldn't do that. I don't care how much scripture you learned and how much you perfected your ability and how much you had one-on-one conversation with someone else trying to to prepare yourself to to share the gospel and you knew the Romans road, the Revelations road, and the John road, and the Bible road to, to heaven. It doesn't matter. Our sufficiency is of God, this is all God. And, and go with me to Exodus 3. Now, it's not a bad thing to admit it. The bad thing is, is to live as if God couldn't use you. This ought to make you more excited, not more depressed. See, this, this isn't me after all. Isn't it a sad state? We get to the point where we think, whether it's playing the piano or singing a song or teaching a class, that this is us. And when it becomes about us, boy, how limited we are in what we can accomplish. What is going on in churches all across this nation is the arm of the flesh, and we've seen how limited that is. Look at the product of the arm of the flesh. Oh, it's, it's beyond set. Exodus 3, look what it says in verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptian oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. So let's, let's just talk about whatever we want to talk about here. Moses, describe him. He is how old? 80. We're talking about 80-year-olds tonight. Pastor, this is the night to criticize 80-year-olds. No, no, it's just God's mentioning some 80-year-olds. So he has been... Tending sheep, the backside of a desert. He's supposed to be going into the palace. His beard. He's an 80-year-old man that's carried on conversation with sheep for 40 years. He doesn't even know. He knows that his brethren are still living in affliction and in bondage. But they haven't seen him for 40 years. He hasn't seen them for 40 years. And God says, Moses, I'm going to have you deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. And Moses, he really, we're so quick to criticize. Well, Moses, why would you ask this question? Because he's 80. And he stinks. And he hasn't been in a palace for a long time. He doesn't even know the lingo of the palace anymore. So he says, who am I? Good question, Moses. 
that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, God told him, this is it. Certainly what? I will be with thee. Now, on a smaller scale, if, let, let's just put it on a, a very, very small scale. Um, if, if I were go to, to Ernest and Ernest, what, what in the world am I supposed to do? I, I've got this project and they want me to install all this duct work. I've never installed ducts. I mean, I don't know the difference between a duck and a goose and a <laughs> duck work and a geese work. I don't know. What am I supposed to do here? And this AC guy, I mean, these people are putting a lot of pressure on me. This is a $50,000 job. You know what? I'm panicked until Ernest says, hey, I'll go with you. <laughs> okay, we got it. I think we got this. Hey, hey, Gene, I got this missionary. We're supposed to do this radio installation. And, and he's telling me that he needs the equipment. And then he needs, he needs someone to teach him how to operate it. And, and, and Gene said, I got you. I'll go with you. I'm like, okay. All the pressure's off. You know what? There's absolutely no way I can succeed at those things. But when I hear someone who is successful at those things say, I'll go with you, and all the, the stress is gone. So, and Adam, you're supposed to reach the lost. Adam, you're supposed to reach the world. Adam, you're supposed to preach the gospel. Adam, you're supposed to take this man from blindness to the light. I can't do any of that. You're supposed to reach the heart of a man. I can't do any of that. So when we watch these people, here's, here's what they're doing. The natural response is for them to say, who am I? How can I do this? Let's just laugh. That's actually not a bad spot to be. It's a bad spot to stay. Understanding our sufficiency is totally of God. And God said to Moses, I'll... I'll be with you. And Moses says to God, verse 13, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your father has sent me unto you. And they'll say unto me, What's his name? And this is all the, the all-sufficient one. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am that I... Whatever you need, I am. Because I am the all-sufficient one. Go with me to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, look what it says in verse 15, Gideon, all, we, we could go all night through scripture, but everyone used of God before they were used came to the same conclusion. God, I'm hopeless and helpless in this endeavor unless you're with me. Judges chapter 6, verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I Save Israel. Now, that, doesn't that make sense? We're not going to read the whole story. You know. You know, the angel comes up. He's threshing wheat, but he's, he's hiding. You're supposed to do this in a windy area. The angel of the Lord spooks the bejeepers out of him. <laughs> and he addresses him in verse 12 and says, Oh, thou mighty man of valor. Can you imagine? He still has gotten over the shakes of being spooked by the angel. Angel says, Oh, thou mighty man. Yeah, yeah. Could you come through the front door next time? <laughs> and he said to him, oh, my Lord, wherewith? It's a good question. Why do we criticize these people for these questions? 
That's actually a great point to start in your Christian endeavor. There's nothing that I can add to the equation when it comes to God's purpose and God's will without his presence. Wherewith shall I save Israel? There's nothing you can do, Gideon. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely what? I'll, I'll be with this. Okay, okay. That, that changes everything. Chapter 7, verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the, the people that are with thee, 32,000, they're, they're way too many. Look at the, what the next two words say. What's it say? For me. Oh, God, God. Can you imagine? Here's Gideon's all worried. God, all we have is 32,000. How are we going to go up this, uh, against this army of trained soldiers that numbers 100,000 plus? And God said, Gideon, Gideon, I don't even need you. I just need a face. Okay, I could blow, I could send an angel, or I could rain down fire from heaven. I could speak the word, and they would all wake up dead. Uh, These are too many for me. To give the Midianites in their hands, lest Israel do what? Vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand. Now, isn't this a problem? When, when God tries to use us, at some point, when God does something supernatural, we want to claim Christians are very good. We are actually experts of trying to steal just a little bit, even if it's just a little bit. I, I need some glory for this. I mean, those people got saved, and people get saved. Don't no, around here. I'm, I'm the one that's involved in this. Let me see. Jesus shed his blood, then he sent the Holy Spirit, but you did something? You gave him a track and you read the verse. Our sufficiency is of God. And whatever he plans to do or desires to do through us means it's got to be done totally by him. Yes, there's a willing vessel. Look what it says in uh, verse 7. The Lord said unto Gideon, By 300 men that lapped. He said, those people down there at the river. You know, the, let's, let's see which ones cupped their hands and which ones put their face into the water. You say, how does that determine a good soldier? It doesn't determine a good soldier. It determines nothing. God was just looking for ways to whittle down this army because he said, at the end of the day, all I need you guys to do is blow trumpets and break things, and then, you know, (laughs) the opposition will go kill themselves. And then then you guys can stand up, beat your chest like you're amazing warriors. (laughs) All 300 of you. Uh, Go with me to Judges chapter 16. Now, here's the issue. The real issue is Judges 14. We... We truly don't grasp. Samson is one of the saddest stories in all the Bible. But the problem is really his mental illness. Okay, God put everything in his favor. Christian home, amazing parents. The angel shows up and they say, guide us, show us. How are we supposed to raise this boy? They do their best to raise him. Nazarite, you guys know the story. Everything in his favor, supernatural strength. And, and then he says, I think I'll use his strength to pay off a gambling debt. 
I think I'll go visit a harlot when the enemy finds out I'm in this city and they come to kill me. I think I'll use my supernatural strength to rip the gates off the city. Look what it says, chapter 14, verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord, what? Came mightily upon him. Chapter 16. No, let's go to 15 verse, 15, 14. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistine shouted against him. What's it say? The spirit of the Lord came. Samson, your sufficiency is of God. It's all God. It's not, it's not 98% God. It's not 99.5% God. It's not even 99.9% God, Samson. This is 100% God. Now, you would think at some point in his life, is God's trying to use him to deliver Israel from their enemies, that he would come to the realization, it's not my biceps, it's not my life in the gym, it's not my protein powder, it's not my workout regimen, it's, it's not my personal trainer, this is God, but it, it didn't, you know, the lights never turned on. So then we get to chapter 16, and you know the fateful day. How did all this happen? Never truly understanding that his sufficiency was of God. Verse 20, she said, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. And Samson awoke out of his sleep and said, now look, just, just underline this statement and meditate on it for a minute. I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. Now, this is Christianity. This is literally modern day Christianity. I, I'm going to go teach this class and I'm, I'm going to go sing this song and I'm going to go knock on some doors and I'm, I'm going to go preach this message and I'm, I'm going to go do this spiritual endeavor. I'm going to go shake things up. I'm going to go shake some hearts. I'm going to go shake the congregation. And you know, you, you know what man does when he shakes? That's not a spiritual accomplishment. That's called spiritual weakness. I'll shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And we know the end of the story. The consequence was extreme because... He never, now the others, it was the starting point. For everyone else we read, whether that was Joshua or Moses or Joseph or, it, it doesn't matter who, all of the icons in the Bible got to the point where they said, okay, my sufficiency is of God. And so when God comes and says, I'm going to use you, their question is always the same, although worded a little differently. The question is always, God, who am I? And how am I going to do this? And then God says, I'm going to do it. You just be the human face. I'll do this through you. You can do the natural on a limited, uh, a very limited scale. I want to do the supernatural on an unlimited scale. So you just, you just go be the surrendered body. I'll be the power that works through you to do the supernatural. But most Christians, you say, well, I think I'm in that first category of Bible icons. They would be more numerous. 
if that was the average case. Regrettably, there are more like Samson who God occasionally uses, God occasionally blesses out of necessity. But even watching God do that at the end of our spiritual life, when given the occasion to do something for God, we stand up and say, I got this. And God said, go shake. Now, Paul is the one that's talking to us about this. Go to Acts. Paul says our sufficiency is of God. Why do you think Paul accomplished so much? Because he understood from the very moment he went into the ministry, our sufficiency is of God. His first missionary journey, we won't take it through the life of Paul. Let's just start first journey, first island, first soul one. What's it say? Here is a, a man... Uh, who is uh, friends with a sorcerer, but he's, he's trying to reach this man. Look what it says, verse 9. Saul, who is also called Paul, what's it say? How is he going to do this? How is he going to plant these churches, win these souls, and overcome these obstacles? Acts 13, 9. Filled with the Holy Ghost, he sets his eyes on him and says, Oh, full of... Subtle thee in all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. Thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Pastor, what's the point? When Saul tells us in Corinthians, our sufficiency is of God, this is the way he woke up every morning. Now, Paul's the one we look at as the icon in, in missions and church planning and reaching the lost. But Paul would tell you, it's all God. Every day, I wake up, surrender, but this is all God. Those church plants, that's God. And also say, that's God. And lives change, and books written, and, and that's all God. And the Philippian jailer, that's God. And Lydia, that's God. And Timothy, that's God. And Tychicus, and Trophimus, and Titus, that's God. And that's God. And the church of Galatia, that's God. And Ephesus, that's God. Philippi, that's God. That's all. Our sufficiency is of God. And that's what you see in his entire ministry not that the we ought to think anything of ourselves. That's humility. Just not, not to think lowly of yourself. It's just not to think of yourself at all. It's to say my sufficiency is of God. Now, go with me quickly to Philippians. We'll read a couple verses and be done. Philippians. When we talk about our sufficiency, we're talking about sufficiency in everything. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him. What's it say? Not having mine own righteousness. We spoke of this this morning, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness of what? God by faith. The sufficiency of our righteousness is who? It's all God. 
Anybody here ever had a down moment in your spiritual life? And you said, boy, I've just messed things up again. You, you know what kept you from staying down? The reminder that the sufficiency of your righteousness was never you to begin with. And, and that's not just the moment of salvation, but that's all the way till we get to heaven. So you messed up again. Yeah, you, you did. And you messed up again tomorrow. But our sufficiency is of God. That'll put a smile back in your face. Otherwise, you live your whole life depressed, spiritually speaking. Look what it says, chapter 4, verse 13. I can do it in the most misquoted verse in all the Bible. Preachers preaches and kids think they can jump off tall buildings. Right? If, if, if this was lived the way most preachers preach it, this means you go bench press 600 pounds. Don't try that. That bar will go through your chest, Jerry. Uh, when he says, I can do all things through Christ, that means the will of God, doing exactly what God wants you to do, commands you to do, you can do that through Christ's sufficiency. He's called me to preach, and Adam Thompson has no, no chance at succeeding at that. But my sufficiency is of... And he's commanded me to soul win. I have no chance of winning anyone to Christ outside of him doing the work. My sufficiency is of God. In planning a church, yeah. Kind <laughs> of like, this man is going to plant a church. It's not happening. My sufficiency is of So you're going to stand and sing and bless someone spiritually. You know what determines how many are blessed and on what level they're blessed? When you, when you come to the understanding your sufficiency is of, and those that are helped and blessed are helped and blessed by God. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. So it's not just the sufficiency of our righteousness or the sufficiency of our power. Look what it says in chapter 12, verse 7. Very familiar verse. Paul said, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that has given me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My what? Grace. My grace is sufficient. Your, your source of grace. Uh, you know why, uh, Pastor, I don't have the grace to do this? Because your source of grace is your mother. It's not a great source. It may be a source, but it should not be the source. Uh, I don't have the grace to function today. I mean, I'm already yelling at people in traffic on my way to church. But the source of grace is still sufficient. But my, my sufficiency is of... I don't, I don't have any inner sufficiency. If we, church, literally... I know this is overly simplistic, and tonight it sounds like a cliche. The problem is we're living as if what we're reading is a cliche. Our sufficiency is of God. Now, this will put you on your knees. This will keep you on your knees. When you realize how helpless 
and how hopeless and how useless this carnal body, mind, and heart is when it comes to doing God's will and God's work. You take all the talent in this room and all the experience in this room and all the intelligence in this room and you wrap it up into one singular package and it adds nothing, absolutely nothing to God's greatness, to God's intelligence, to God's talent, to God's ability. Our sufficiency, now let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and we'll be finished. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, we'll preach on this if we ever get to it. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, were changed into the same image from glory to glory. This sanctification, how does that happen? Have you ever seen someone said, I, I wish I looked like that? You say, that's not me. I'm pretty happy with being ugly. <laughs> I've, you know, I, I wouldn't mind having Wyatt's hair. I don't want anything below the, li- the hairline. But <laughs> Now, we're talking about as, as if we're looking in the mirror, and on this side, we're looking at Christ, and we're saying, I want to be that. I want to look like Christ. I want to think like Christ. I want to act like Christ. I want to talk like Christ. I want to have his love, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his compassion. That's my goal. This this is what I want to look like. God says that's what you're going to look like. Now we know that that finalizes in heaven, but we're supposed to be growing in that likeness on the earth. How many of you ever, you know that, but but when you look at Christ, you look at yourself, you say, "Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, this is not working out like it's supposed to be working out. I'm not growing in likeness. How does this happen? Verse 18, last phrase. Even as what? By the Spirit of the Lord. First, now go back to verse 5. Connect the two. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of. How does that work? How do we become transformed to His image? The church, let me encourage you this. And if you, teach, if you teach any spiritual principle to your children, teach them this principle. Our sufficiency is of God. Because, here's what happens. We've lost a generation of young people, independent Baptists, have lost an entire generation. The 90s, 2000s. You, you know what we're seeing? These kids jump right from churches into the world as quick as that door is open, they're gone, living not like the world, but even in some cases worse than the world. You know why we haven't taught them this principle? We, we taught them to imitate and live and fake it. And instead of saying, your sufficiency is of God. This, this isn't you. This isn't about a performance. This isn't about what you can do or what you can accomplish or what we want you to be. This is about what God wants to do through you. And this is only God and God alone. Because, Brett, you have a spiritual future, not because you've been taught to play the guitar, not because you went to a Christian school, not because you wear a suit and tie. 
that's all good, and God can use that. But at the end of the day, you and God's equation are still not part of his greatness. You get included in his work by submitting yourself to his power and you get to participate and experience him do the supernatural. When you understand, it's not about you at all. It's about him. Our sufficiency is of God. Because if you don't understand this, here's what you're going to say. You're going to say and respond like all the others that we read about in the Bible. God, who am I? I can't do anything. Why even bother trying? That's only good if used as a starter in the conversation, acknowledging I have nothing to offer, I am nothing, in my flesh I can do nothing or be nothing. That's a starting point. But to live your Christian life like that, okay, you've never come to the full understanding. God is your sufficiency. So yes, you're nothing. But God says, add me to the equation. I'll be with you. Now we can get something accomplished. Amen. Can you imagine, Ernest? They want me to do this project, and it's all AC work. And I don't know anything about AC work. And Ernest says, well, let's go do it. And come with me, Ernest. So we're, we're he doesn't want to come with me. He said, I know I'm going to have to do all this. Do you know God's never bothered by having to do all this? So now we're going to the project. I got you. How is he going to feel if we go all the way to the project? Come on. And this is the way I look. And, and then I go and Dole wants to do the project. And I'm like, I'm here. And Dole's like, you ready? I guess. I don't know. I, I really don't think I can do this. What's Ernest saying? Hey, bro, I, I said I got this. I got, you don't need to worry about it. Sit there and drink your lemonade. I got this. I'll hand you the old duck work. Th- throw it in the trailer. That's all you have to do. You, you, can, you can even get the check. I'll do this. Can you just change your demeanor, put a smile on your face? Can you act confident? Can you at least be Confident in me because at the end of the day, it's me, not you anyways. Amen. And here's, here's what we're doing. God says, I've got this. And Christians are walking around like, yeah, we're going to see what we can do. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to turn out or anything. And there's Ernest saying, hey, I'm a professional. Not only is it going to be done, thank you. It's going to be done well. So... When we say our sufficiency is of God, it shouldn't remove the smile and cause hopelessness. To the contrary, we say, I alone am hopeless, but me with him. Now, that that gives me confidence. This can really turn out well. People can be helped. Souls can be saved. Something supernatural can be happened. And it has nothing to do with me. It's just... Maybe saying I can be a tool in God's hands. Our sufficiency is of God. And here's what it'll do in our young people. When they truly get this Bible principle, instead of being frustrated under the weight or the burden, 
they will feel energized by the fact this is not about me anyways. This is about me being surrendered to the one who is all. The, the creator, the sustainer of all says, I am your sufficiency. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, you haven't understood the principle. 